Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Modex podcast, a condensed podcast interview series where we speak with the founders, leaders and innovators in the tech startup and scale-up space about their journeys. Hello and welcome to the Modex podcast. Um, today we are joined by Andrew Bartlett, VP of EMEA um, at Orca Security. So hi Andrew, it's great to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm very well, Hayley. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Perfect, perfect. Um, so maybe just to start us off, Andrew, um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself um, and your role at Orca, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so my name's Andrew Bartlam. Uh, thank you for having me again. I'm the Vice President of Sales for EMEA at Orca Security. And Orca Security is a four-year-old cloud security company. We have raised almost $650 million in venture funding, which um, which accounts for around about 500 people in multiple locations around the world. Wow. And Orca Security pioneered the vision of something called agentless cloud security, which, if you like, is a paradigm shift away from the legacy security tools, which were kind of born in this on-premise world, in other words, pre-cloud. And who have tried to shift their technologies mostly without much success into the cloud world. And Orca, on the other hand, was, was built and designed for the cloud um, and has achieved enormous success at hundreds of global enterprise companies, a who's who, if you like, of global brands across financial services, retail, manufacturing, sports, uh, pharmaceuticals, global software and, and SaaS companies, of course, and, and many other industries. And it's a great company. It's full of incredibly smart people, and it continues to grow at an incredible rate of knots. And I was lucky enough to be uh, in right at the beginning here in Europe, which is the, uh, the the region that I run, Europe, Middle East, Africa. Amazing! Wow, really, uh, really interesting time, and um, great that you're working for this pioneering, you know, brand, and you're yeah, the 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 front runners. Um, really, really interesting. So, you've got to a point now where you're. VP of sales for the whole of EMEA for Orca, this this fantastic company. But what's been your journey, kind of your journey in your career and how have you got to where you are now? Maybe you could give us a bit of an, you know, an yeah. insight into that. <laughs> yeah, um, no, no rocket science, hard work mostly. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'll take a big step back because I, I fell into a tech startup by accident when I when I was 23. And I've been in them pretty much ever since. I've been lucky enough to have picked uh, several real winners, um, partly through luck, partly through judgment, hopefully uh, more judgment than luck in the latter stages of my career. And, and I've been part of several IPOs, in, in other words, um, taking a, a, a company public as well. And I'll, and I'll caveat that by saying somewhere in the, in the middle, I did spend a couple of years at Gartner, the industry analyst, because I wanted to get a better sort of helicopter view of the whole industry so that I could then better identify where to go next and, and proactively find uh, find the right organization. But for me, um, startup technology companies are my uh, my spiritual homeland, if you will. I, I, I love being able to point to something two or three years down the line and, and say, I did that, or I did that with a small group of passionate, hardworking and, and dedicated people. You know, an environment where when you when you start, your technology, technology is, is, is relatively unheard of. You, you, you've built a a brand built a, a presence from scratch you're, you're convincing large organizations to take a view on innovation versus legacy you know um uh and they've probably been looking at uh, at safe but but probably underperforming technologies where everything uh in, in the startup world is much faster 
and you're essentially making and defining the rules as you as you go along not in a not in a please understand not in a maverick or a careless way but it but in a way where you fail fast and you fail often but what you don't do is is fail in the same way twice in other words you you, you tweak what you're doing based on on what works and what doesn't work and here's the thing it's not for everyone it can be a challenge and and, and by the same token uh being a huge global organization no disrespect to large global organizations that's not necessarily my cup of tea you know where there's a lot of process understandably of course and, and where you might need a meeting to decide if you're going to have a meeting or not if you see what yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah no that totally makes sense yeah really really interesting um you said about kind of you you've picked several winners um but how how do you go through that process of picking a winner um do you just feel like you have this really amazing kind of insight as to you know what what's going to do well or do you have kind of a process i know you touched on it but do you have a process that you would kind of go um, down? I, I i do um and I'll, I'll caveat it by saying is you know um i've had a couple of uh, real failures as well <laughs> so there's no sort of magic formula here yeah um I had one organization that I worked for that that, that grew incredibly fast. And unfortunately, um, uh, we ended up, um, uh, the, the the company ended up being sold for a fraction of the, the value that it was worth a couple of years before. And we had some very, very large offers on the table for that company uh, a couple Gosh. of years before. And um, so, you know, um, it, it doesn't always work out in your favor, but we are a little luckier in EMEA or Europe. Because we're able to, you know, as I do, I read TechCrunch religiously, for example, and, and mm. several other um, kind of publications and um, and sites to understand what's hot in technology um, uh, uh, and which companies are receiving what type of funding at sort of stage A and stage B level. And then it, it stands to reason a lot of these organizations are obviously going to be either uh, US-based or in the security space, either US-based or Israeli-based. And then you can sort of look at uh, when they're ready to come into um in, into mainland europe yeah or uk and mainland europe and then you you can um, you, you can be there at, uh, at at the right time so yeah when they've got some sort of um, critical mass if you like in the us and or israel and then they're ready to pop into europe um we're in a reasonably good position uh in, here in the uk to be able to spot those and and just to reach out to those companies i've either been placed in a um uh, uh an organization by a, a venture capital company yeah. Uh, many of whom I've got some really strong links with, or I've literally uh, found them on, for example, TechCrunch or, or um, in, in the past, uh, Red Herring and other things like that, and just proactively reached out to whoever is running the European organization or whoever's running the global sales organization and said, hey, listen, I need to, uh, I need to talk to you. Um, can I come in and spend some time? Yeah. Oh, wow. Amazing. It's quite interesting then with the EMEA piece, isn't it? Because you're kind of getting... Um, it's highlighted to you isn't it based on the the funding uh, and yeah. how that's going um you know and, and the success you know yeah, elsewhere it's all about timing. yeah yeah really interesting um great kind of you know piece of insight there for people like yourself who are you know wanting to operate in that that region really uh really good piece of advice thank you um so you'd mentioned um you know there's been some been some failures and i i personally think failures are just as important if not more important than su yeah. successes in in growth um so looking back over your career what would you say has been your biggest challenge um and then can you tell us a little bit about 
you know how you overcame it and, and maybe what you learned from it uh yeah i could uh i could write a book with it <laughs> <The amount laughs> of challenges um uh wow okay good question um okay i i think there are there have been several actually but 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 i think i think I think hiring is always one of the biggest challenges. You know, when you're trying to scale something and grow it fast and, and deliver on a revenue number uh, from scratch in an environment where you you have no brand, you have no or, or relatively few customers, and you are competing with industry incumbents. You you may be far more innovative than them, but they are the safe bet because you know they've been going for a long time, and um, and, and 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 few organisations have heard of you at this stage. So um, you need to hire a team. You need to hire a team fast. Um, but you know you need to do that under pressure and, and, and deliver meaningful numbers in, in terms of revenue and there is from that perspective therefore a temptation to settle if you like for someone that looks appropriate and you can't do that no and uh, of course there is a risk with any hire you make obviously you know if you don't already know them but but taking the time to do your your diligence on people is incredibly important not just performance history and and, and resumes and 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 uh, but also references back channel as, as well as formal my personal philosophy has always been to hire the, the best people i can and then to trust them otherwise don't hire them so you know if you're in a bind and you, and you think oh this person can probably do the job and you know there's 75 percent, maybe 80 percent there you know have the courage to say no I, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna do it um yeah. another challenge uh if i may briefly is, is has been to make sure that any organization how should i put this is aligned on understanding the importance of of local representation in emir and, and to do to do business in france you really need a french speaker or or at the very least french representation in terms of of partners and alliances same in germany um other areas such as the nordics and and the benelux or, or the middle east you know uh, obviously the uk as well entirely appropriate to manage those territories using English from the UK. Mm. Um, but it's not just language. Business culture in Germany is different from the UK and from the US. Business culture in France is different from the UK mm. and, 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 uh, and, and the US. And, and so understanding and catering to that and, and making sure that the, the, the organization is aligned to, uh, to that understanding um, in the way you do business is, 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 has to be nuanced as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And was that something new that you brought to Orca, that kind of mindset around that? Did you then give, you know, we give them the freedom to then build your team however you wanted it, where you wanted yeah, it within the region? Well, I think Orca is a fantastic organisation that has incredibly innovative technology. Um, and our founders and and, uh, and our CEO knew from the beginning that they wanted to hire people that had, had done this before. Mm. Um, that had good experience and and were incredibly willing to listen. You know, they've they've built some amazing technology for us, and it was incumbent on us to uh, to 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 build a high performance organization that could scale fast as well. So, yeah, tremendous amounts of support, and um, and that isn't just from the, the the CEO and the founders, but also from the finance organization and the and the sales leadership organization around the world as well. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So your teams um very much spread out then um mm -hmm. throughout the whole of the region. Yep. As, so as much as possible with the, with the, with the high as we can make yeah so you're uh, on the road a bit then are you yes and i think that um it's it, it's it's worth saying that um you know I, i've got some incredibly smart people uh that are on the road far more than i am mm. um but but you've got to put your time in and, and understand those business cultures and, and those clients yeah. as well so andrew what's been the greatest lesson that you've learned throughout your career 
Great question. Um, I think I'm going to give it um, a, couple, a couple of answers, if I may. Um, one's internal and one's external, and I'll give you the context behind those. So um, firstly, from an internal internal perspective, look after your clients. Right? We, we, we've moved from the, the, the old um, perpetual license uh, world to this subscription economy uh, where, we, where we, we sell everything based on an annual subscription. And there is no point in having a great level of sales execution where you're filling the bucket with, with net new clients and, and revenue if you're leaking uh, revenue from the bottom of the bucket in, in, in terms of organizations churning and going away and not renewing with you and, and going to someone else. And there are far too many examples of organizations that, that nickel and dime, if I can use an Americanism, uh, that they nickel and dime their clients with all sorts of hidden costs in, in, a, in a desperate attempt to, to grow revenue. And it works from a, a numbers perspective, but ultimately those clients, it works from a numbers perspective for a short time, but ultimately those clients will look elsewhere and they'll churn. And in the subscription economy, overwhelming churn is what kills SaaS companies. So look after your clients from a customer success perspective, You know, help them with adoption, um, making sure you help them to configure things and get it adopted and, and running in an organization. Just let them do it all themselves, um, yeah. but also don't nickel and dime them as well. But, you know, Do what you say and, and say what you do. Yeah. The, the other thing is, I would say, uh, and this is a huge lesson, right, which is why I spent 12 years of, of my career building and, and managing partners. Um, uh, I took a sort of short break from a, a direct sales for a while, it is that to achieve scale, you you need to focus on on building partnerships fast, coming out the blocks. It's a it's a key priority as, as, as you as you start up in the mirror or any other territory. So, so this means either reseller partners, recruiting reseller partners, referral partners, OEM partners, systems integrators, cloud partners, or indeed, um, uh, depending on what your technology is and your route to market, or indeed a blend of, of some or all of the above. And if you think about it, there isn't a single successful company in the history of this whole IT space that we we live in uh, that we live in. Yeah that's ever been truly successful without partnerships in place. And, and in the early days, and it's hard, right? Because, because the temptation is just to sell directly because you're just starting out, right? And, 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 and partners need a lot of uh, convincing to take a brand new innovative technology to marketplace and invest their own capital in doing that when there's lots of other technology vendors that, that they could have a safe bet on, on focusing on. And so in the early days, when those partners that, you know, they aren't interested because you're still developing your brand and your market presence, it's, in, it's important to take that half a step back sometimes to take two steps forwards and yeah. proactively take the story to them, show them the light, so to speak, uh, rather than waiting for them to come to you, which will which will just never happen. It's time consuming, yeah. but it sets you up far better in the medium and the long term and, and gives you that foundation for for, uh, for growth. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Thank you. What what would be kind of the one piece of advice that you would offer somebody at the beginning of their journey in the cybersecurity space? Um, you know, really interested in 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 getting into startups um, in in the sales kind of world. Um, what would be your your one piece of advice that you would offer? Yeah, you know, I, I worked at one larger organization and 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 was acquired by a, another larger organization once, and and it's great, right? It, it, it's not for me, um, and and I would say to anyone that's that's under thirty, you know, for the twenty or twenty one or whatever, just out of uni or or you know, listen, don't be afraid to take risks, right? Mm. Uh, as, as long as you do things with integrity and, and let me put it this way any decision if it feels right before you're 30 in my view is is arguably the right decision because you've got more than enough time to, to reset 
and frankly if you took a wrong decision it's okay because you, you'll have gained something from from that learning process so have fun take some risks yeah. you know ha have fun along the way I, look i love startups because this 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 crazy fast paced innovative culture is is very much work hard and play hard and, and i think if you're under 30 you can have a fantastic time yeah. uh, and work with some incredibly smart people with some very innovative cutting edge bleeding edge technology mm. <laughs> at my age i can't play that hard anymore but but maybe that's because i i burned the candle at both ends when i was in in, in you know pre-30 but um that's what I'd say to anyone that's 20 years old. Don't worry too much about, you know, looking for a really solid career mm -hmm. trajectory. Have fun. Go and get yourself in a startup. Do something innovative and you'll learn far more, yeah. in my personal opinion, in that type of environment than you may in a much larger organization. Yeah. Yeah, amazing advice. Yeah. And you've obviously had your fair share of taking those risks and taking the plunge and, you know, and following your instincts. So, um, yep. yeah, and a couple, couple of real failures. I should I should continue to yeah. say that as well. But, you know, yeah. you learn more from those failures than you than you do almost from some of the successes. But yeah. also, you know, um, five or six really, really strong successes. Like I said earlier, I've been lucky enough to be part of uh, several IPOs. Um, and, um, and, and and you don't do that unless unless um, uh, unless, you, you know, you're, you're reasonably good. And uh, unless you've um, you you bring something to bear in terms of experience of having done it before, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Don't be don't be afraid of the failures because they will help you grow and develop you into yeah, exactly into the, yep. the person you are. Amazing. So, um, with regards to the world of cybersecurity, it's um, I mean, it's growing exponentially. Um, the threats are, you know, the bad guys, so to speak, are, you know, getting more and more kind of just as innovative as, you know, the good guys. Where do you, um, if not more, where do you see um, cybersecurity in kind of 10, 15 years time? What what does the world look like? What will the world of cybersecurity look like? Well, that's a long way off, and 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 it's changing daily, right? Yeah, it, it really is. You know, the, the, the look at the cloud. That the cloud is growing faster than any other area. In fact, if you look at the whole sort of genre of IT information technology, that the two fastest growing areas uh, of, of IT are cloud, uh, because of the elasticity it brings and the economies of scale you you can leverage, and and cybersecurity because. Security is is not like Martech or something like that. It's it's not a nice to have that can yeah. can potentially raise your business and, and and look at revenue. It's 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 a must have, right? No one wants to be standing in front of the board and say, saying on my watch we were breached, right? So cybersecurity and cloud, you put them together uh, to form cloud security. There's very very few pure play vendors like Orca Security in that space. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of twisted legacy on prem kind of technology, but. Like I said, the cloud is growing faster than any other area. Look at the rise of Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud, uh, Microsoft Azure. These are, you know, and, and to some extent, Oracle Cloud and, and Alibaba Cloud as well. These are multi-billion dollar enterprise software organizations. These are not small companies. And they're all pushing the boundaries of innovation and scale, which means more and more global enterprises are investing in their cloud infrastructure and, and moving away from on-premise um on-premise environments not not for everything but for most things right and, and indeed many companies in the enterprise space will have this cloud first mentality in other words if we're if we're doing a new initiative or a new set of applications or something cloud first let's look at that if that doesn't work then we'll have a look at on-premise um and most greenfield organizations you know uh, uh, uh software startups or, or you know uh, dot coms in the retail space or whatever it might be 
will have a cloud first mentality. And so to that end, being able to secure these vast cloud and, and often multi-cloud environments, you know, organizations using Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, for example, or at least two out of the three, um, being able to secure those multi-cloud environments is, is vital. And so therefore enterprises are, are, are gonna look at con consolidating their security stack from multiple different vendors to, to a core few who can provide security across things like cloud workloads and API security and, and vulnerabilities and, and malware and shift left security. In other words, uh, shift left is uh, going back in the development cycle to prevent issues occurring down the line. Yeah. Um, container security uh, and many more. And that's why we at Orca have this very holistic view of cloud security. In other words, tell me all of my cloud security risks and help me uh, prevent any of them happening in the future. So I think there's going to be uh, a lot of consolidation, uh, continued consolidation, and, and the cloud is only going to get uh, bigger and bigger. Well, we've not got loads loads of time left. Um, I'm I'm just wondering though, has there been just kind of that golden nugget really, so that um, our listeners can take something away from from this? Is there a book that you've read or that you've kind of uh, recommended to your team that that's actually really helped you on your journey um and if if you could recommend uh, that that'd be really interesting. yeah there's 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 a few actually and i'm probably dating myself here i <laughs> i read um very early on in my career i, I read um uh, how to win friends and influence people by uh, dale carnegie i think it was which is the original right. bible of sales which, yeah which I would, it's really dated but i'd recommend anyone read it um but, but i <laughs> I think if you if you're interested in something uh, maybe a little bit out there and, and a bit more fun, um, it, and it's maybe like me a little dated now, but for its historical context, I, I think it might be boohoo. Right. And when I say boohoo, this is not the current retail brand <laughs> that yeah. people might be familiar <laughs> with, but it's a book about the insane rise and the equally insane fall of boo.com. Right. And Boo.com in the late 1990s was the first big online multi-brand retail vendor. And they raised, I mean, this is 1997, 98, I think they raised $185 million at that time. Think about it. This is almost 25 wow. years ago. Yeah. Supported by JP Morgan, uh, I think, um, and also the founder of, of, of Benetton and many other investors. And, and as I said, this was in the late 90s. They burnt through all of that in about a year. Oh my god. And it, it was way ahead of its time. This is Concord flights, insane parties. Yeah. You know, uh the, I think the the average employee age was about 25 um and all the rest of it sure, but but uh, the essence of it was was an amazingly innovative way ahead of its time technology platform. And that was coupled with incredibly fast-paced sales execution that that really shook the retail world to its absolute foundations. Mm -hmm. And I think in many ways, it set the blueprint for the modern retail economy. And essentially what that book taught me is it's a fascinating read of what to do, but also definitely what not to, not do. to do. And the benefit of hindsight, of course, anyone can say that, right? But, yeah. but essentially what it taught me is, is that great technology is important. Sure it is, absolutely. But ultimately you need great execution. Uh, and yeah. great execution will often beat great technology and you you can't have one without the other it's 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 pointless yeah um so look I, i'm sure there are 
many better and more updated books. I'm not even sure if it's in print anymore. But if you want a really good historical read about the tech sector and one of the first big dot-com startups and, and, and its meteoric rise to fame and then it's it's crashing to earth at a billion miles an hour, it's it's a great story and, and <laughs> well yeah. worth a read if you can, if you can find it on Amazon it. Marketplace. Why haven't, there should have been a film about this, shouldn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it both, sounds yeah. really yeah interesting i will put that in the in the notes actually on the podcast so people will be able to find both yeah, of those it's called uh, um, it's called boohoo boohoo yeah i will put that yeah in the in the notes on the podcast so where can our listeners find you online then um so yeah linkedin um, I think pretty obvious. Yeah, LinkedIn. Uh, I'm uh, I'm regularly posting on LinkedIn. Um, I'm I'm on LinkedIn at least two or three times a day. Yeah. Um, I follow a lot of companies. I I hopefully contribute reasonably well. Um, that's the obvious place to find me. And of course, uh, goes without saying, uh, Google as well. I don't have a huge uh, a huge brand presence on Google, but you can you can Google me and, and find one or two probably embarrassing things. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of other podcasts as well that you've done. So we'll direct uh, the listeners to those um and yeah apart from that thank you so much i really really appreciate your time um, yeah, no it's, um so it's a real pleasure and, uh, and and thank you for having me on your uh, podcast i'm, I'm looking no, forward it's... to uh, watching your business grow you've been listening to the modex podcast please follow the show and tune in again for the next installment if you'd like to be a guest of the show i'd love to hear from you please get in touch with me at www.modextalent.com